Welcome to episode 75 of From the Shed End with myself, T. As always, Theo, how are you doing? Not bad. I mean, for everyone who's in the UK, it's getting really, really cold. So I'm wearing a bit of a sweatshirt here indoors. Um, cold, very cold morning, mornings and cold evenings. And I think temperature is dropping sub-zero um, later this week. But no, doing my best to enjoy um, the World Cup, watching the games when I can, and I'm not too busy with work. So um, enjoy a nice little break from Chelsea. And all honesty, I know we're going to talk about Chelsea in a bit, but I'm enjoying the slight break from Chelsea. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I think, um, like yourself, obviously, weather's drastically changed over the last couple of days um and yeah just as much as i'm not missing chelsea i can't wait for that first game i think it's bournemouth isn't it on the 27th i think so i'm looking forward to that to be fair i've got to the point now where i'm enjoying the world cup but yeah i need i need chelsea back i do need i'm hoping chelsea come back refresh Mm. which we'll talk to touch on later on um but anyone who's listening Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. Make sure you go and check out all the social accounts and hit the link tree link in the description. Um, and yeah, make sure you subscribe, give us a thumbs up and let us know your thoughts in the comments. But we're going to start off, obviously, the first bit of news that came out yesterday. Raheem Sterling sounds like a, an armed burglary, or I was going to say an attempt, but it wasn't even an attempt. It was an armed burglary on his on his house. His family were in the house as well at the time of the, the robbery. Um crazy i mean i can't i feel feel like we spoke about this slightly with reese james i think it was probably last year when i think the same thing happened to him it's crazy i I don't even know how someone has the not the audacity but just i can't believe there's someone in the right or in in that mind frame to think i'm going to go and rob someone's house whilst they're representing the country at a world cup it just i mean what's your thoughts on that i just can't believe it no, I like you. I'm struggling to kind of wrap my head around this. Um, we spoke about it when it happened with Reese James last season. I think he, we were playing Zenit in the Champions League on a weekday. And obviously the bur- the, burglar- the burglars targeted his house because they knew he'd be um, playing at Stamford Bridge. So his house wouldn't be, um, there wouldn't be anyone um, vacant at the property. Um, but no, it's, it's shocking. It really is shocking. At first I thought when he kind of say personal matter, you always think the worst. You think is it a family member who's a bit ill? Is yeah. it um, something, you know, a serious matter that he needs to kind of address back home? But it, this is a serious matter because we're not too sure on the details yet, but it seems like maybe some people were present in the house. Um, maybe some family members. It could be his auntie. It could be his um, his kids. It could be his grandmother. It could be his parents. So you do really straight away you worry for the you know his family's safety and their 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 health and their 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 lives in a way if it's an armed burglary and they had they had weapons and straight away you know these people they don't have brains to start off so they could easily just pull a trigger hit someone we saw what happened with um Aubameyang um, in Barcelona they did beat him up in a way so they there is a possibility that they will hurt the people in the house and it's just, it's sad because you always want to think that you're safe within the kind of own kind of proximity of your own property but clearly that's not the case anymore in this day and age and hopefully um the things that were stolen um are jewelry things like that that can be replaced but when you start looking at what happened with reese james and it was his champions league medals his super cup medals that's when you really start to think these are kind of priceless bits of memorabilia that can't be replaced and i'm sure sterling given the career that he's had he's got plenty of those that were in his house that may have been targeted as well yeah, it's, it's sad. I mean, we live in a world where you can't have nice things. And I feel like we said a lot of this when we spoke about Reese James. But, I mean, I mean, there's no price you can put on your family or whoever is whoever's no. in the house or whoever. But I do I do think as a, as a footballer, and not to say that they should have to do this, but I think now is the time where if you're 
a certain level, not even just a footballer, just a certain person with wealth or money or whatever, you've you've got to have the right security around you. And even that isn't always going to give you the, the the satisfaction or reassurance that you can go away and play football, you can go and do this and do that, and your house is your house is safe. But I do think you know stepping up security has got to be a big thing for some of these footballers because you see them around. Um, you know, I think there was a video that went viral of Erlen Haaland just walking around Manchester City Centre on his own, broad daylight, of course, whatever. That's fine. He should be able to do that. But there are some crazy people out there, and I hate to use mm. that word crazy, but there's some people out there that don't care. They don't have anything no. to lose, and they will, you know, could be an, a, a kidnap or something, you know, a ransom. It could be anything like that. So I just think now, we, like you just said, you know, we don't live in a, a very civilised world where people, you know, can go and represent their country and know that their house is going to be safe. It just, it's a sad world to live in, but I think, you know, hopefully this wakes a lot of footballers, a lot of people up um, to go and get better security, in my opinion. Yeah. And also it's just kind of crossed my mind now, probably that this has happened to Raheem Sterling and then the future games he plays for Chelsea, England, or whichever club he represents in the future, it might always be in the back of his mind when he's on the pitch. You know, this happened to my house and my family in the past. It might happen again. And it might just, you know, have that little affect his performance somehow. Or I don't know, it might always be in the back of his mind. And like I said, I do think it's a traumatizing event. So I completely understand him flying back to the UK to address this and make sure his family's okay. And now he is kind of still to be seen if he'll fly back to Qatar and represent England in the the game against France. Or should we progress beyond that? Yeah, I mean, I I hope he doesn't come back. Mm. I know that sounds really selfish, but... I just don't think I just don't think putting your family second above playing football, whether you're representing England or you're representing a different nation or whatever, I think for me personally, I, I just couldn't go back after that, knowing that that's happened. Um, whether the severity's low or the severity's high or it's a, a really bad robbery or they just took, you know, a, a car. I know it sounds stupid, but if they just took something and just left, I still wouldn't want to go back. I just could you your, like you've just said, your mind isn't going to be focused on football whether he comes back he's he's going to be constantly thinking is it going to happen again um which tends to happen sometimes with robberies you know if if they target again some people think it's not going to be targeted twice in a short space of time and sometimes it is because people just are crazy you know they don't care so Mm -hmm. um i mean I, i personally hope he doesn't come back i think he someone has a good word with him and just says look it's not worth it. It really isn't. Yeah. It's not worth your, your family being at risk when you're abroad playing football. Yeah. And I don't want to jump to conclusions, but um, I think Ben White as well had to fly back to the UK um, for yeah. uh, family reasons or per personal matter. And maybe again, maybe it was a targeted robbery because um, they knew he wasn't in the property. Um, I don't know. I don't know if anything um, was said about why he flew back to the UK. But for, you know, these these crooks and burglars, they they know what they're doing. They know what they're doing. They know that these houses belong to Premier League footballers who are abroad in Qatar in the Middle East and are, you know, in the property. And I, I do agree with you. They need to, you know, invest in better kind of security surveillance. But I think even Reese James, he had CCTVs all over the house. And we saw the footage of them literally carrying a safe outside of his house and, you know, just smashing down a gate with the car. Mm, Sometimes it's just, yeah. it's just not enough, you know, it's, but like you said, you, we live in a day and age where you can't really feel safe carrying around valuable, you know, belongings and personal prop, um, belongings as well, or, or even having them in your own property, it's 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 ludicrous. It is, it is, and hopefully, like I said, hopefully it's not as bad as it's been 
documented, I think, in some some news outlets. But yeah, it's it's mad. It's a mad world that we're living in. Um, so yeah, hopefully that situation is resolved quickly, and especially before second half of the season kicks off. And you know, as I said, no one's been hurt in that in that uh, situation. But moving back to the football World Cup. I feel like we did the we did a preview. We haven't done an update since then. And obviously there's been a lot of shocks. There's been a lot of teams, a lot of nations that have done well. I mean, we're talking about Japan just before we came on, a team that I, I did not see top in the group. I thought that was a really good entertaining uh end to their group. I think it was last Thursday or Friday. Um, brilliant performance. What's been your summary of the World Cup so far? Who's impressed you? Who hasn't impressed you? I.e. Germany going home early. Um, what's been your summary of the, the World Cup? I think my, my main takeaway is that no team has looked like they're 100% going to win it so far. You look at every single team, none of them had a 100% record in the group stages. Even Brazil, who were the one team who I thought would get the nine points, they lost to Cameroon in that final game. Um, so no team actually won all three of their group stage games. Um, key takeaway being that some of the bigger teams have underperformed and some of the smaller teams have taken their chances. I mean, no, I call them smaller teams. They're not really smaller teams because Japan do have history in this tournament. Um, so do um, Costa Rica in a way. They went right to the very end against um, against Germany and you, we saw what they did in 2014. Morocco, another one, who I thought had been brilliant, you know, coming out the group ahead of um, ahead of Belgium. Who I think have been really, really poor. Um, I think it's expected. We've spoken a lot about Belgium on WhatsApp, given you know their coach isn't really up to scratch, and um, their team just seems so divided. Um, and it just felt before even the tournament started, De Bruyne's comments on you know we're all too old. It seemed like there was a bit of you know accuracy in that now, um, and mm. they all, they all flew back in different planes because they didn't want to be around each other. So I think that's just a team now that you're going to see a lot of those players, I think, retire from international duty potentially or not really ever represent Belgium again. So I think that was a bit of a, a shock, but also maybe it was expected slightly. Um, as an England fan, I've been very pleased with our performances, I feel. Um, you know, we've kept three clean sheets and um, we look like we're, we're able to score goals. And I think what's really impressive about this England team is the depth we have. Yeah, you know, 100%. Got brilliant depth. You look at... Last night, my mum kept asking me, why is Rashford not starting? Why is Rashford not starting? And I was telling her, well, look at the other players that are starting, how good they are, the likes of Saka, the likes of Foden, Kane, and then even Henderson. People questioned why he was starting, but he had a brilliant game and scored the opening goal to kind of calm the nerves. So um, I think the real test will be Saturday, which I think we'll speak about in a bit. But but yeah, reassuring from England so far. Yeah, it's been, I mean, it's, I mean, sort of segueing into to yes or last night's game I thought it was a really good performance I thought I surprised at Senegal because I, I thought they were, I mean they started the game really well I want to credit them for that they started the game in my opinion very well um you know pressing from the front doing what they needed to do I think as the game went on the pressing stopped the mistakes were opening up and I think that goal um you know just before half time probably killed the game for them to be fair um but we've got to talk about Edouard Mendy because, you know, you think, I mean, think back to what, a, a year or just you know, a year or so ago. And we were talking about Mendy being one of the best goalkeepers in the world. Um, top performer for Chelsea, going on to represent Senegal, African Cup of Nations, coming back to the Club World Cup, doing what he did there as well. I mean, the decline is insane. I can't believe that we've, we're seeing a goalkeeper go from a level that we thought he potentially could reach to where he is now, where he's, you know, Saka's goal savable. In fact, both, I think all of them were savable, to be fair. Um, 
I mean, is this the end for Mendy? I mean, is this the end for him at Chelsea or at that sort of top level that we were talking about him only 12 months ago as being one of the best goalkeepers in the world? Is this the start of a very quick decline for, for Edouard Mendy? I mean, his calendar year of 2022 has been awful. Absolutely awful. I can pick so many games out where he's, he's kind of cost us the three points. And I think his performances at the World Cup haven't been reassuring at all. Um, even going back to their opening game against the Netherlands, the two goals were he was responsible for. The first one, he comes out and tries to catch it, and it's an easy header for, um, I think, the Dutch striker, whoever it was. The second yeah. one, he he kind of parries it out, and it should have easily been a catch. So, um, no, nah, just something doesn't seem right with him at the moment. I don't know if it's overconfidence, because he did seem to have quite a big ego, I felt, after he won that um, Champions League or UEFA Keeper of the Year awards, and maybe that got to his head. But then again, you know, this time last year he was putting in those performances against Brentford, where he kept us. He was insane, and uh, then as a Chelsea fan, you start to look now. I mean, Kepper is as good as he's been this season. Do we really back him to be our number one for the long term future? I still don't know. I don't see Mendy um, or maybe Potter having good trust or faith in Mendy to to be our number one. Maybe beyond this season, either based on his performances. Maybe to start looking at a loan for Mendy to kind of regain his form and confidence. That's another potential one. Um, but now I just struggle to really wrap my head around what's kind of affected his performances and why he's kind of been so poor lately. I know he's only kind of come back from an injury, I think around the um, beginning of November time. But still, these World Cup performances haven't looked good for him at all. Yeah, I think he's, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think he's definitely on the, the decline. I think he doesn't look anywhere near confident to be in goal. Um, even at, at this World Cup, there just, just doesn't seem something right with him. But I think this is probably a blessing in disguise for us. I think, you know, Kepa, who has been playing really well up until the World Cup for Chelsea, I think that's a, a, a bonus. Obviously, he's I think he's gone to Abu Dhabi amongst the, the other players that flew, flew out there as well. So I think, you know, for, for Mendy, I mean, this, is, this was probably the, the most the best opportunity for him to to prove that he should be number one for Chelsea and he hasn't done anything to display that he's going to be number one for Chelsea. So, you know, it could be a win-win for us. It means potentially Patar Bowley might go back into the market in the summer or even in the winter, potentially, depending on what Selena, um, when he comes um, over from the MLS, I think in a couple of weeks, um, he'll be linking up with the squad as well. So, it could be it could be a blessing for us really and, and it hasn't worked out for Mendy in my opinion um he could be one of those ones that he's out the door in the summer in my opinion I think he's he's just not he's not good with his I mean if you could you could tell me his attributes his best attributes you can't really define any of them because he can't save penalties he's not good with his feet he's not a good decision maker he pulls off some I think he pulls off a couple of worldies every now and again mm. and I think those worldies we go oh my gosh what a brilliant goalkeeper we've got but we almost forget about the nine or 10 mistakes he's made amongst those worldies. So I think this might be the end for him, if I'm honest. No, I, I kind of echo what you you just said. What kind of, it's always in the back of my head is De Gea has gone through some terrible periods where he's, he, I think it was the 2018-2019 season. I remember a game against Barcelona where he made a load of howlers and every kind of, you know, other week in the United will be a link with a new goalkeeper. And it kind of seems what we're going through with Mendy right now. So maybe there's still a chance that he will rediscover his form and he will, you know, stay as our number one. But based on the calendar year he's had, it's not looking good. And the World Cup has done him no favours at all, I feel. 
No, I agree with you 100%. I want to talk about the knockouts because we're amongst the knockouts now. Obviously, you mentioned a couple of the fixtures already that have taken place. Uh, the Netherlands beating USA, so Christian Pulisic has left the World Cup already as well. Argentina versus Australia, another really good game, I thought, in my opinion. I thought Australia, as much as they lost, you know, they, they kind of gave a good account for themselves going out of the World Cup. France versus England on Saturday. Massive game. Um, I mean, I'm already starting to think about the lineup for for what that might look like against France. But what would you do? Would you change anything? Or would you? Because there's been talks about maybe going back to this back five that clearly hasn't worked previously. Um, part of me thinks Gareth Southgate will do that because of Mbappe. And I, I think Matty Cash done really well against him yesterday. I know he lost three one, but I mean, he done really well and. What's your thoughts on that? I mean, would you go back to a back five or would you go stick with the back four, keep it as it is, maybe maybe change things um, if needed, but stick with what has worked so far? I think we played with a back four in all four of our games so far and it seems to have worked so well. And I think um, Walker, Stones, Maguire and Luke Shaw have defensively have looked really, really solid. So I don't think I would touch that. Um, and I think our best chance of maybe containing Kylian Mbappe is having Kyle Walker in his most natural position, which is right back. So um, I would stick with the back four and that would give us that extra body in, um, in midfield or kind of higher up the pitch, you know, the likes of a Foden, a Saka, a Rashford, a Grealish, whichever player um, Southgate wants to, do, to to pick. So, but yeah, it's going to be a really tight one. I don't think neither of the two teams has been properly challenged yet in this World Cup, if I'm honest. I expected Denmark to give France a run for their money in the group stages, but they were really poor. Um and same with England, I think Senegal, we expected them to be, um, to, you know, bring the game to us last night. And apart from maybe that couple moments in the first half, they weren't great either. either. So, so yeah, I, w- I would kind of stick with a back four. And um, I just wanted to shout out Pickford, for me, who's been superb so far in this tournament. His kicking yesterday was amazing. You know, we talk about Mendy's distribution. Yeah. Every single one of Pickford's kicks just seemed to find Harry Kane. And it's a, I mean, as soon as you get the ball to Harry Kane and we've seen how good he is with his passing in this tournament, that means that we have maybe three players around him, the likes of Saka, Foden, Mount, whoever it may be, and just give them the ball. And that next thing you know, we're, we're kind of in their penalty box almost. So I think Pick, if we do go deep into this competition, Pickford's going to be a key asset to us. Yeah, I agree with that as well. I think he's, again, along with Jude Bellingham, who yeah. for me has been outstanding this tournament. I know he had a, a bad game um, in, in I think it was USA. Everybody had games. a bad game. Yeah. Yeah. I think he was well, exactly. So I think he had a, a, he didn't perform as well as we know he can. But, you know, when he, when he turns it on, 19 years of age, I, I'll be honest, I'd give him the captaincy now. I'd give him the England captaincy right now. He's, you know, you can see that he's vocal on the pitch. He's a, he's a, he's a brilliant player. Um, and he's just, I, I can't believe he's 19. I really can't. Sure. Can, exactly. And if you can do that consistently for the next, you know, what, three four World Cups he's potentially going to be at as well. I mean, we've got a player on our hands there as well. But um, are you surprised maybe, again, you know, you look at the game last night, 3-0, you know, Conor Gallagher's still sitting on the bench. Mason Mount's still sitting on the bench. I haven't really featured as much as potentially I would have expected. Maybe Mason Mount more than Conor Gallagher, um, who I thought was a surpri- surprise call-up anyway. But maybe even at 3-0, you know, even James Madison hasn't really had much of a, a looking at this squad um, in the World Cup. What, do, you, do you think that's something Gareth Southgate should potentially look at or 
stay like like we've both said, you know, stick with what he he's doing at the moment. Yeah, I felt I felt if maybe those players you mentioned, even I think um, a Trent Alexander Arnold, who's hardly featured, the game the game that they would have got game time in would have been the Wales one, the last game of the group stages when you're already two or three nil up. But I think now that we're in the knockout stages, you want to play your what's worked so so well so far and your best eleven. And as you know, I'm Chelsea. I want to see Gallagher play in the World Cup, but I felt like him being picked in the first place was maybe more for the experience of being in Qatar with the squad, um, a bit like Walcott in 2006, maybe. Mm. But um, but no, we've just we're spoiled with so much depth, especially higher up the pitch and um, in kind of the attacking um, areas of the of the squad. So um, you know, you mentioned all those names, players like Grealish can hardly, you know, have, I don't think they've started a game yet, or they've only played one of the four games. So we really are spoiled with choice, but. I would eventually love to see a Madison, um, you know, particularly for set pieces. I think that would be quite a useful asset to have maybe in the France game. But but let's see what um, starting eleven he goes with on on Saturday. I'll tell you what would be interesting because Larice looks a bag of nerves mm-hmm. against Poland. Um, can't play out from the back. Clearly, not confident at all. And I think that is a massive weak weak link in in France's squad. Is is the goalkeeper? Um, defensively, they don't look the best either. Um, obviously, they've got their engine at the front. When you look at Giroud, you know, uh, France is now top um, goal scorer, um, surpassing Thierry Henry. You look at Griezmann, who then on his day do something. Dembele looks, a, I mean, he looks really good. Every time he's got the ball, I think we could have had him at Chelsea. We should have got him at Chelsea, mm. but he, he looks like one of those players for me that will, you know, he can turn it on when he needs to. And Mbappe as well on the other side. So I think the engine's at the front. For France, mm-hmm. I think defensively, maybe even in midfield, you look at all the injuries they've picked up. Uh, Teo Hernandez is probably the standout player in defense that has probably been um, the one that looks decent on that left side for them. But I think, I think it's doable. I think you know, England France is going to be a, a doable game. I think you know, um, it's just a it's just it's a, it's a game that we have to win on Saturday. We have to, um, as, lo- as long as we can do well put in a good performance. You look at maybe all the other games that we've got there now. Um, what what do you what do you think Sorry, about my mum in the background? <laughs> I, I wasn't gonna say anything. I was just gonna <laughs> carry on. <laughs> um, but I mean look at the, the the fixtures now that we've got here. I mean it's it's possible. I mean it's possible. Look at that run. Anything's possible, really. Anything's I'm possible. I'm still shouting Brazil. I still think Brazil are going to win the World Cup. I've said that all along. But what looking at the teams that are left, looking at who can potentially go through and who can play who in the next round, I mean, it's a, it's a relatively decent run to the final. Yeah, I mean, given how this World Cup's gone, even the bigger teams are losing to some of the smaller teams. I think anything's possible. And like you mentioned, I think France's you know, weak area is their, is their defence. I think Jules Koundé is another one for me. Who's a, we spoke a lot about him. He's still a bit of a hothead. He's got a mistake in him. And their midfield too of um, Rabiot and um, Chouamini, as good as they've been, they're, they're not the 2018 midfield duo of Pogba and Kante, who are so solid. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm still thinking Brazil. I think we spoke a lot about England's depth. I think Brazil's depth is also amazing. But even though I don't think I haven't been that impressed by them, Argentina are another one that seemed to have mm. every single fan in a stadium supporting yeah. them. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. crazy. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting. I think uh, I wanted to ask as well. I don't know if you got to see Kunde literally probably forty minutes. 
And I, yeah. I watched the game, I was thinking, as necklace allowed, are we allowed yeah. to still wear you know, jewellery in a game? And I was surprised at the ref, I think like in the 40th minute said, no, no, you've got to take that off. And I was like, well, it's a bit late now. Um, yeah, I, I tweeted about that. But yeah, when subs come on, they always have to show what's under their shorts and the kind yeah, of yeah, yeah. thermal leggings or thermal colours of their, whatever they're wearing, their underlayers. You, sh- you think they do the same with players before they get yeah. onto the pitch with jewellery, with whatever they have. And it was noticeable. Every time he was running, it was bouncing yeah. up and down. <laughs> he was like tucking it back in. Yeah. yeah, I think we dodged up with him, to be fair, but <laughs> it is what it is. But let's take it back to Chelsea because obviously Chelsea have flew out to Abu Dhabi, I think, yeah, or the day before. Um, 23-man squad, I think it is, that's gone. 25-man squad, yeah. 25, I'm mm. cutting it down already. But um, it's a mixture. So I've looked at the squad this morning. It's a mixture of players recovering from big injuries. Your Wesley Fafana's, Reese James and um, Angolo Kante is, is amongst them. But it's a nice mixture. Um, Lewis Hall being another standout one for me who from what I've read over the last couple of weeks is officially part of the senior squad now, which is something that needed to happen. He's someone that can fill in voids, fill in gaps. He's a versatile player. Um, quickly want to touch on him because I think, you know, watching him against Manchester City and Alba Cup, brilliant performance that he put in. This could be an opportunity for him now and a lot of these other players that have gone to Abu Dhabi to, to make a take for the second half of the season. But what's your thoughts on the squad that's gone out and, the, the game against Aston Villa on Sunday, um, which has been streamed, I think, on the fifth stand-up at all. But what's your thoughts on Lewis Hall initially uh, coming into the senior squad? It's thoroughly deserved, I think, um, that game against City where we lost and even the game against Newcastle, the uh, 1-0 defeat, the only kind of positive from that game was Lewis Hall's performances. So um, I think he's it's fully deserved that he's integrated into the, the, the first team and Chilwell, we don't really have a date on his recovery or when he'll be fully fit again. Cucurella, left wing back, doesn't really seem like the player we thought we were getting. Um, so I think it's a big chance for Lewis Hall, particularly over those Christmas fixtures against Forest and Bournemouth, to maybe play a part. And I think the game against Aston Villa is a starting point as well. On um, I think Sunday you mentioned in, in Abu Dhabi. Um, another one that I'm quite excited to watch is um, Cesare Cassidy, I think um, that's his name. Um, I think I saw a goal he scored against Peterborough for the under-21s, which was a great, great finish. So I'm looking forward to watching him. Um, Charlie Webster, another one who features quite often in um, first-team training with the with the, the first-team, but's never really um, um, played a, any part in a, a game. Um, obviously, you've got Carney, who's there. You've got um, Amari Hutchinson as well, who um, I want to see more of um, in the second half of the season. And then you've got your experienced players, Aubameyangs, uh, Loftus-Cheek. I say Broja's experience because he's in the first team. But um, hopefully it was well. Some, you know, the next couple of weeks in Abu Dhabi, we'll see um, Fofana, Kante, uh, Kepa and Chilwell um, and um, Rhys James get back to, uh, to full fitness as well. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that is a really good squad that we've taken over there. I know it's only a quick friendly that we're playing over there. But when we think back to some of these players, some of these players potentially should be in the senior squad. I know Lewis Hall's the one that's gone in recently, but you look at the likes of Jorginho, Kante, and we can't really rely on them much as we used to. And I think the youth setup that we've got there, Alfie Gilchrist, another player that is, you know, got bags of talent as well. Um, Amari Hutchison, as you mentioned, Carney Chokomeka. These players should be getting the opportunity to play top level, senior level football. Um, 
So I'm hoping they get chance in this game. I'm hoping they have a really good training camp in Abu Dhabi and then it allows some of these players to to be included, especially, you know, you look at the likes of um, Manchester that we've got in the FA Cup, the fixture congestions that's going to be happening from, you know, January to the end of the season. There's a massive stake that some of these players can take that opportunity to go on and, and perform. I think they, they've got it in them as well. Um Really, really looking forward to seeing Amari Hutchinson. I think he's a, a massive talent and hopefully we, we, we can hopefully get him uh, in, in the squad, I think, in the next half of the season because he's he's someone that we can definitely rely on as much as Lewis Hall is as well. But those are the two standouts for me. But um, weird time to have the, the, the game, obviously, on Sunday, times two. There's still a break after that game. I feel like this game should be play, game played a week later. Because um, I think our next competitive game is the 27th of December. So there's still a massive window from the uh, the 11th, which is when this game's taking place, to the 27th. And you do wonder about fatigue and fitness and how they're going to keep that momentum, uh, you know, keep the players warm, so to speak, um, from there until now. Yeah, um, timing's a bit odd. I think the the actual 2.15 is because that will be maybe 5.15 in the UAE. Um, so maybe mm, for... Yeah. It'll be a bit cooler in terms of temperature, but yeah, you would have thought um, you'd maybe bring this game a week closer to the to the Boxing Day fixture, so you really get these players um, ready for um, for uh, you know to get their match fitness up. Maybe they'll be a behind closed doors um, friendly taking place at Cobham or in the UK, because I know that a lot of other Premier League teams and teams across Europe have got friendlies scheduled in the next couple of weeks. I think Crystal Palace were playing um, a Brazilian team at um, Selhurst Park on Saturday. Um, I think um, I think it's Leeds were playing Valencia or something like that. So there's there's games scheduled for these teams to you know and players that have taken part in the World Cup to build their match fitness up. But I think it's a brilliant chance for some of these younger players to maybe have never trained with the first team to gain that experience from the likes of Jorginho, Kante, um, Kepa, Reese James. If they do kind of feature in training, so it's a it's going to be a nice to see that the you know mix of youth and experience on um, on Sunday. Yeah, I agree. I'm looking forward to the game. I think yeah, ten past two it kicks off. So yeah, I think you're right in terms of the time and um and it's on the fifth stand. I think it'll be on YouTube as well. Um but yeah, that's gonna be a good game. I want to talk about one player in particular that is not on that um the legend that is Romelu Lukaku. The, the, the myth that is Romelu Lukaku. Um talks about him staying in Inter Milan for another season, clearly does not have a, a role to play um, at Stamford Bridge. Did he even play at the World Cup? I know he's there. Did he come on? I don't think he did. I'm, I'm just, I'm pretty sure he didn't kick a football at the World Cup. But um, he did. He did against Croatia, and he missed three open goals. Uh, that's the game I missed. The, yeah, I missed. I missed the game like he missed those sitters. But um, I mean, yeah, this is this is probably the best news I think that I heard all week when when I found out that you know Inter are keen to keep him. Um, which I think was always part of the deal anyway. I think it was just, let's see how he gets on. But he hasn't had the best of times at Inter Milan. I mean, you know, he's been sidelined for a lot of it. I think he came back just in time before the World Cup, uh, played with one game beforehand. But, it's, I mean, this is probably the worst bit of transfer business done by Chelsea um, that I can remember. But clearly a good sign that he doesn't come back and clearly there's intention for Todd Bowley, Graham Potter, to, to bring someone else in um, during the summer. Yeah, I mean, in terms of the, 
worst bit of transfer business we've done at the time it looked like the perfect move we all thought it was you know a match made in heaven but like you said it hasn't worked out for so many reasons the interview his um his you know commitment to chelsea and um his only his body language and obviously he's, he suffered with a lot of injuries last season and um i think we just need to cut our losses now we really do need to cut our losses forget about extending his loan for another season i think we need to sell him because every time he touches a ball now his value just seems to drop given how poor he's been and he is he's still got those injury um troubles he was having last season he only featured in one of belgium's three games like you said um i, I even read that into weren't too keen on him as well yeah. um, based on his performances and his injuries so it seems like it might might be um there might be some kind of negotiations taking place to maybe Chelsea partly paying his wages or whatever it may be, or if they were to, you know, an option to buy him at the end of the season, it might be, you know, I forgot what we paid. It was close to a hundred million. I don't think we even get 30 or 40 back for him at this rate. We'll be very lucky to get that. So I think we just need to do all we can to cut our losses and try to recoup some of the money that we spent on him in uh, last summer. But, but yeah, it just hasn't worked out and it's, it's obviously disappointing, but I think he's got to himself to blame for a lot of those reasons as well. Yeah, it's not. I mean, yeah, he's he's definitely had enough opportunity to himself at a club as a top number nine goal scorer, and I don't think he's ever really done that. I don't think you you can talk about the the first stint at Inter. I suppose that's probably his, you know, the top the pinnacle of his career. But um, you know, he went to United, didn't do, do really much there. I think he scored, what, 20 goals one season. He's never really been a brick goal scorer who's been able to keep himself fully fit throughout the whole time of a season. So I think you're right. I think, you know, cut our losses, we reevaluate in the summer. But I'm happy with that. I mean, I'm really happy that he's not coming back to the club. I think, you know, to have two players that, you know, you look at Pamianku potentially again, I would see maybe leaving Chelsea at the end of the season um, or even, you know, not playing a major part, but we've got to bring some depth, some quality players, some of the youth that I just mentioned to mix that up as well. But I think the two key areas, you know, look at our strikers crying out for a goal scorer. Um, Ronaldo's still available, of course, but um, <laughs> goalkeeper, I mean, that's got to be the biggest one for me now. I think goalkeeper, we've just touched on it before around Salino, but I think goalkeeper's got to be where we go into the market and we look at bringing in someone that can maybe mm-hmm. compete with Kepa or I don't know, maybe is there, knows their position, knows that they're, they're going to be the understudy Kepa, maybe to pass that baton over similar to what the Courtois and, and, and that whole scenario was um, a couple of seasons ago. But what, what was, you know, coming up to, you know, January in a couple of weeks, what's your area of concern as a Chelsea fan? Where do we need to strengthen and, and how, and when can we strengthen as well? Because it's, there's a lot to do at Chelsea in the next, you know, 24 months. There is a lot. I think um, for far now, we've hardly seen him feature this season, but I really hope that he solves our kind of centre-back and kind of the predece- the person who succeeds, um, Thiago Silva. Um, goalkeeper is the one that's there's a big question mark on that. We still don't know what's going to happen. I'll throw a couple of names in the hat as maybe players that we could potentially sign. Robert Sanchez from Brighton, who's very yeah. good with his feet. Um, Diogo, um, Diogo Costa from Porto, brilliant shot stopper and pe- penalty saver. Um, there was one more. I had Jordan Pickford. I think uh, I know you're still not as keen, but he's. There's, I think we're always going to be linked to him. He's had a brilliant World Cup and he's very good with his feet. But I do agree. Maybe I'd rather maybe prioritize the other two that I mentioned if we were to buy a keeper. Um, we haven't said his name on this podcast, and I don't think yeah. But um, Enkuku. Um, I think it looks like that's a done deal, and I yeah. really hope that solves our 
our goal problem. But you can get a goal scorer, but you also need to get that player who's creative and can you know put the ball on a plate for that goal scorer, which I don't think we have in the squad. I really don't think we have, and mm. we haven't really had one maybe since Fabregas. And um, yeah. that's another option we need to strengthen. And our midfield is just getting older and older. Jorginho, Kovacic, Kante. So another player you mentioned earlier in the podcast, Bellingham, I think would be a superb signing. Um, I think we can get him. I'd be over the moon if we get him. I mean, he's obviously got his heart set on either Liverpool. I think that's priority number one. I think Real Madrid have now entered that conversation. Manchester City, again, another team that, you know, if Madrid him or, you know, the other top clubs want him. They're going to be involved in that conversation. But I think Liverpool is, is is the desired destination for him. But if we can get him, I mean, we're kind of seeing it now with Declan Rice and Bellingham. If we got both, this is just me thinking out loud, but if we got both with Nkuku, I mean... Bigger squad, yeah. It'll be a really good... And obviously you get the defenders back, you know, Reese James fully fit, Chilwell fully fit, Fafana, Kulali, who, you know, has played relatively okay this World Cup, but if we can get all of those playing together, you know, Sterling, Mount, I mean, it's not the best, it's not the best squad, but it's a good starting point in terms of the rebuild and getting getting the team working together, in my opinion. But either or, I mean, I'd rather De- Bellingham than Rice, but I think, you know, Rice is apparently West Ham are available. They want to, want to sell him, I think, at the end of the season to someone uh, I think I'm sure it's only for like 70 million or 80 million. It's quite a relatively low price yeah. considering we, they were talking a hundred and something a couple of months ago, but yeah, it's going to be difficult. I want to see some, some activity in the window this, this summer, uh, this January at least um, to cover some of the injuries and potentially, as I said, the fixture congestion um, just before we wrap up, which I haven't mentioned getting Manchester city in the FA cup part two, <laughs> Um, what's your thoughts on that? I mean, this is going back to where I feel we should have done better in the Carabao Cup because that's our chance to get some silverware. This game's going to be totally different, if if not worse than the Carabao Cup, in my opinion. But what's your thoughts on getting Manchester City in the next round of the uh, FA Cup? It's not ideal. It's really not ideal. It's You want to kind of have that easy fixture. You can rest a few players in, in the third round of the FA Cup. I think it was Chesterfield we got last season and then Plymouth. So we got quite lucky with the draw in the last season. But um, you have to beat the best to win these trophies. Even when it gets to the semis or the final, you will end up playing an Arsenal, Man City, Man United, Liverpool. Um, but we played them Thursday in the league and then Sunday in the FA Cup. And I expect two different very teams fielded by, by Potter and Chelsea. For both of those games, um, I think it'll be quite a similar lineup to maybe we see we saw against in the League Cup. I think um, Pulisic and Hakim Ziyech, who we haven't spoken about a lot, have had a very good World Cup. I thought, yeah. especially Hakim Ziyech. I don't know if they'll still be here in January or um, in Potter's plans, but I think they've probably definitely um, done themselves justice in terms of the performances they put in. Um, but no, it won't be easy. Um, City have the depth as well. You know, Julian Alvarez can't get much of a game. Um, behind um, Erling Haaland, but he's been fantastic um, alongside Messi of Argentina. But yeah, it's not ideal, but with Chelsea, we've seen that crazier things happen and we've beaten bigger opponents than you know, Man City in the FA Cup. And we know that Guardiola overthinks a lot of things as well. Um, less so recently, but maybe the type of game that he will want to go all out in the league. So um, he may rest, um, rest a few players there, but I'm more worried about the league fixture on the Thursday, if I'm honest. Because yeah. I think um, top four really needs to be a priority now that we're out of the League Cup. 
we probably will be out of the FA Cup after Sunday, after Sunday's um, FA Cup fixture. But yeah, it's going to be a nerve-wracking January for sure. I was literally just looking at the fixtures for January. We've got, <laughs> I mean, this is this is our fixtures for January, just for anyone who's who's listening. So Forest away on the first. We've got the back-to-back City games. So we've got City um, Premier League Thursday clock. We then play them again but at the Etihad on Sunday, half four. We've got a derby against Fulham on the Not Thursday easy. after the FA Cup. Um, that's away. We then have Crystal Palace, although it's at Stamford Bridge, it's still going to be a difficult game um, on the Sunday, the 15th. And then Saturday, the 21st, we go to Anfield. We play Liverpool at half 12. It's not, that is not a January that you want to come into off the back of a World Cup. Um, Yeah. And like you just said, top four has to be, I know I've written this season off Mm. multiple times already, but at the minimum we should be getting top four minimum we should be getting top four because we do have a, a relatively good squad squad still yes it's not anywhere where it needs to be and there's a lot of players that need to be cleared out of it but we should still be in there we should that momentum to get top four should still be in it in my opinion so i'm not looking forward to january make the most of the world cup whilst it's still on well you've got two we enjoy it um just before we go give me a quick prediction Brazil are going to win the world, in my opinion. I feel like you said this already, but I, I want you just to confirm it at the very end. So you going for Brazil as well? Yeah, yeah. I like. I think we both got them in our, our sweepstakes, and I think what we said in the previous episode before the World Cup started. And I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to say Brazil. Let's hope so. Let's hope all the other <laughs> nations come out because I want to see you know the likes of uh, you know obviously Kai Havertz has come back now. Pulisic's gone home now. A lot. I want the Chelsea players back so we can get. Back to the season so i'm hoping you're right um obviously tiago silva still be there if it's brazil but he's, he's the rolls race he can do it benjamin um, button yeah literally i mean i think he i still i'm still convinced he'll be at the next world cup <laughs> convinced he will. i mean he'll be he'll be he'll want to play if he can carry on playing yeah. and keep himself in shape and i think it's in america the next one yeah um i'm sure it's a, a joint um, it's U- USA, Mexico, Canada, 48 teams. And I think I read it's going to be 16 groups of three teams. Yeah. Uh, extra time and penalties after if it's a draw. So there will be no one point, so just three points or nothing. He's going to want action. He's going to want in on it. <laughs> 100%. So we'll see. But um, yeah, I'm going for Brazil. You're going for Brazil. Let's hope we're both right. Thank you very if much. If it's not England. Action. Yeah, well. <sighs> yeah. Final question, actually, before we wrap up. Okay. If you could see England lift the World Cup, meant that Chelsea can't win the Premier League for 10 years. What are you doing? I got asked, would you would you sacrifice top four this season if, if it meant England beat France? Oh, yeah, 100%. And I, and I said, yes. So yeah, I think I would. Yeah, I would sacrifice. I would sacrifice not winning the Premier League for. Um, Let's for make 10 it thirty years because Liverpool didn't win. Oh, for <laughs> oh that's gosh. a tough one. Yeah, I- I'll have to answer that on the next pod, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's a tough one. I personally, I wouldn't, but 
10 years, I can, I can. 10 years. We're coming close to that, I think now as well. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah. But um, for anyone who's listening, make sure you go to uh, Spotify, make sure you hit the notification button so you don't miss an episode on there. And if you're listening on Spotify, head straight over to YouTube to the channel let us know your thoughts would you be happy not seeing Chelsea lift the trophy the Premier League trophy in 10 years if it meant you could see World Cup historic moments with England lifting it since 1966 let me know what you think Theo as always thank you very much for joining me um, episode 75 from the shed end until next time stay safe and thank you very much for watching <laughs>